This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here. Welcome to episode 22 of Batman Books, The Dark Knight in Prose, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination, except in cases like this, where there are pictures. Today, we're finishing up the comic book adaptation of Andrew Vax's novel, Batman the Ultimate Evil. I should have done this for part one and also the rest of the book, but for whatever reason, I didn't think of it, but I'm going to give a content warning. This episode discusses child abuse, both physical and sexual. Next time, I'll be starting book number three, the 1992 novelization of Batman Returns, written by Craig Shaw Gardner. The first episode will cover the first five chapters. So let's finish up this farewell to Vax's story. Uh, P.S. I should mention what the other podcast is in this crossover. It's my other Batman podcast, Gothamites Anonymous, where my friend Kat and I go through the Batman graphic novels in chronological order to kind of buff up our knowledge of The Dark Knight. And if you're a fan of the TV show Supernatural, you might enjoy my other podcast, the sister podcast to Batman Books, The Dark Knight in Prose, which is Supernatural Books, The Winchesters in Prose. And I wonder why I never have any free time. Ta for now, and happy reading! Hi, I'm Lane, and I don't know enough about Batman. Hi, Hi Lane. Lane! Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm addicted to Batman. Hi, Hi Chris! Hi, I'm Maggie, and I know some things about Batman. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Hi I'm John. And kind of take or leave Batman, really. Hi, John. Hi, John. John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and hello, listeners. Welcome to part two of this crossover episode of Batman the Ultimate Evil, an adaptation of the novel by Andrew Vax. So we're going to read through the second of the two volumes. Again, we have Neil Barrett Jr., Dennis Cowan and Prentice Rollins as the creators. On the cover, we have Batman oddly smiling, carrying a child from, uh, looks like some kind of exploding building in the background. So on the first page, Batman is in some sort of, I don't know if he's in Gotham, some sort of metropolitan area. I'm assuming he's in Gotham. His name is Sherwood Trask, GCPD, Commander, Intensive Supervision Team, decorated for everything from heroism under fire to tracking down a serial child molester. A bit unconventional, Gordon said when he set up the meeting, but there's nobody better. I don't know who that first speech bubble is going to. Is that Batman? It doesn't have an arrow. I believe it's Batman, having just did a crash read uh, of it earlier today. <gasps> you cheated! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you get out of this meeting. But okay, so Batman says... No, I think it. I think it's Sherwood Trask is saying, you want to know about Leonard Tuxley. Okay, he is, 
or was, a chronic child molester. Batman says, a pedophile? No, that's their word, not ours. They don't call what they're doing child molestation. They call it intergenerational love. The definition of pedophile is lover of children, understand? So we see um, a little closer image of Trask and Batman. Tuxley was a computer expert. He'd videotape children, a little league game, whatever. Then he'd digitize the tape. It's the latest thing, interactive kitty porn. Tap the right keys, the kid does whatever you want. Or you can put yourself in the picture, too. I guess we're jumping right in with the dark stuff in this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was told that Tuxley would have known something about kitty sex tours. Did he? And that was Batman saying that part. Trask says, you mean the deal with Udon Kai? No question about it. Tuxley went on one of those tours. We overheard him talking to one of his freak friends on the phone. Batman says, I'm surprised he was that indiscreet. Trask, well, he wasn't. We kind of listened in, so to speak. Batman, but you're a police officer. How could... And Trask says, hey, pal, let me get this straight. You're calling me a vigilante? Which, touche. <laughs> I like that apparently a gust of wind seems to have blown from the back and kicked up Batman's cape into a cool Kelly Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good catch, John. All 20 feet of his cape. You're right, exactly. <laughs> that I'm sure never gets caught in anything ever. Yeah. And the guy's ballsy enough to talk a little smack back to Batman, too, so. Mm-hmm. I kind of like him. Kind of like him. Okay, Chris, you want to take the next spread? I'll be glad to. In the next page, we've got uh, three panels on the top and one on the bottom, and we see a... Private jet along a purple sky with some clouds going in the background. Bruce Wayne speaks, and he says, I hope you'll forgive me, Deborah. I have to postpone our tour we had planned for tomorrow. I'll be out of town for a while. Deborah says, I understand, Bruce. Business or pleasure? Bruce looks out the window and he says, business. Important business. Then we see the plane coming right at us as it's drawn, and we see a couple of clouds forming. In the one cloud, it could possibly be a face of a woman, maybe Martha Wayne. And then the cloud uh, over there, we see uh, the visage of Batman full on. And then we get a little bit of caption here, and it says, From the Journal of Martha Wayne, there is no biogenic cold for criminality. You cannot control who you are, but you have the ultimate decision-making, power over what you are. And then the next caption says, Behavior is the truth, but the ultimate truth. You are what you do. Children are born with different genetic allotments, but the rest is what they themselves contribute. I hope that's Martha Wayne. I think, uh, I don't really think there's anything going on between Deborah Kane and Bruce for him to start seeing her image in clouds. Because <laughs> at first I thought that was who that was, just from comparing her there in that panel. It's his mom. I thought it was Deborah too, and I was like, "Is it's, it's Deborah and face. him as Batman? Like this is <laughs> weird." That's a, a very Disney-like love. It's like I'm seeing your face in the clouds when I'm away from you. Why do I see that face? <laughs> I I never like it. I understand why they do it. You know, whenever in the in the text boxes where they where writing cursive. It's always impossible yeah. for me to read. Yeah, it's... Just... Oh, thank God. I thought it was just me and my eyes at this age, but oh, okay. no. Okay. No. I had a hard time reading that, too. That, yeah, yeah. The script is tough. I mean, it probably also is your eyes, too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so on the next page, we've got panel on top, panel in the middle, and then three smaller ones on the bottom. In the top, it says San Francisco. And we see a street, a couple of buildings, and some vehicles that don't indicate what era this takes place in. And then what looks like a, probably a seedy hotel room, some luggage on a bed, and a guy in the bathroom doing something with his face. What is he doing? Is he shaving? Well, I, that's what I thought, but if the reflection in the mirror... 
I think he's putting a fake beard on. I think it's Bruce putting on a disguise. Bruce. It's Bruce putting on a disguise. He's going all okay, Malone, matches Malone. Malone. Gotcha, gotcha. Except it's not. Yeah, apparently, he... it's Deadly Dave. But <laughs> oh man, <laughs> matches right there. Deadly Dave. <laughs> yeah, on the bottom. So then we see him sitting on the bed with a cell phone, and it says Deadly Dave. Maybe who wants him? And then he says, "I'm Big Jack Hollister. I believe Victor C said I'd call. Good enough. What can I do for you? I need some of your time, is all." He looks very Wolverine-y. And he does look really Wolverine-y. That's what I was thinking, too. Super hairy. And then the, mm-hmm. the wife beater thing. Yeah. The picture where he's talking on the phone, or the paddler is talking on the phone, I know it's supposed to be, look like he's, you know, cradling the phone with his shoulder like that, but it's not quite drawn there, and it looks like it's just stuck to his ear. Stuck face. to his ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. He's got the prosthetic glue. Just yeah. <laughs> uh, then we're in, a, I, I think, a taxi cab, probably. And he's sitting in the back seat, says, you know where the Lavender Dragon is? And the taxi driver says, yeah, sure, but look, I mean, it ain't none of my business, but that joint is only for... And of course, once again, he's interrupted by someone and says, you're right, it ain't none of your business. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, you want to go to where the pedophiles are? Yeah. Well, ain't no business of mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but do you know who goes there? Only the pet... I know. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nobody accidentally goes there. <laughs> okay, content page four. Uh, this one has, again, uh, two panels along the top, three in the middle, and then three at the bottom. Uh, the two at the top is in, is showing a bar, presumably the what bar is... The, Lavender the, Dragon. The Lavender Dragon, mm-hmm. which despite its um, outlook and reputation... Oh, wait. Anyway, this, it almost looks like it could be any sort of Irish pub anywhere. There's a, a bunch of, like... Well, of all male clientele sitting around, uh, presumably waiting for horrible things we're about to read about on this page. Let's see. Deadly Dave's expecting me. Name's Big Jack. Well, I can see that, says the bartender. Last booth. Okay. Hollister, says the person in the last booth. Have a seat. Tell me what you need. Draco. Sure, I know his name. I know his game. He lives on a yacht in the Dragonfly Marina. And Bruce, as Jack responds, is it true he sets up kitty sex tours to Udon Kai? And he responds, why do you think he calls his yacht the lollipop? The guy's a sleaze and proud of it. Man, Gross. his contact really must have paid him for some information. <laughs> These guys are frightfully yeah. open with what they do. Yeah, not really speaking in code. And I wonder if like this isn't a place only where pedophiles go. Um, not to draw on stereotypes on what this guy looks like, but also with him calling this man a sleaze. Is this a gay bar? Um. Oh, maybe? Yeah, I would... Well, it's an all-male clientele. Most Presumably most child molesters. I hope that's not what they're going with, because most child molesters are male. Or heterosexual, are heterosexual, yeah. Right. So... But there's that horrible association with pedophilia and homosexuality, so I... I don't know. It's a good question. And I think Bax would be smart enough to know that. So my guess is this contact just happens to hang out here. And when Big Jack Hollister was like, hey, can you take me to the Lavender Dragon? And the guy, he was cut off, of course, before he could finish anything. He might have been saying, hey, you know, that's a gay bar, right? Right, yeah. Either that or he was trying to be nice. He goes, hey, no, you know, that's a pedophile place. If you want a gay bar, you want to go down the hall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. All right. So look, says our sleazebag go offend with his porn stash. Uh, yeah. If you know Victor C., you know how we feel about this. People who have sex with children are degenerate scum, okay? All right, so this isn't... Okay, so 
Going back to what we were just saying, I guess maybe it is a gay bar. I'm moving on from this page. I'm. If we had just like read the next oh, bubble, we would yeah, have been uh, all right. Here. Because yeah. right here it says there's nothing homosexual about men who have sex with boys. So this is a gay bar where he's cruising for pedophilia, mm. and the guy doesn't like this. That's a good thing that they're doing in this book. I need to go over there to Udon Kai. Uh, what can I tell? What can you tell me about the operation? He said they screen real carefully, and the price comes high. Ten grand gets you a round trip to pedophile paradise. I'm sorry, that's not funny, but it is. Um, the rest depends on what you want to do with a child. He said, "Yeah, pay attention. This is what we're talking about here." <laughs> yes, with a child. What do you, do you think we're talking about here? Says the club men. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend. <laughs> it just seems so impossible to me. It's supposed to. That's their camouflage. So all it takes is money and connections, right? Then I could go on one of those tours. I don't think so. They have one final requirement. The acid test, they call it. I'm glad he kind of called Bruce out for asking such a dumb question. It's true. I don't mind the I don't mind the art in this so much. I mean, it isn't my favorite, but it is doing a good job of pacing the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see this guy again, uh, Deadly Dave. And he says that the acid test is, you have to have sex with a child. They videotape the action. That way they know you're the real thing and that you won't talk if anything goes wrong. Big Jack Hollister says, damn them, damn them all. Deadly Dave says, that's taken care of. Anything else I can tell you? Why do they call you Deadly Dave? We see Deadly Dave taking a a drink of beer and he says, I used to box some. Jack Hollister says, well, why did you stop? Deadly Dave says, the real fights aren't in the boxing ring. And the real fighters aren't in there either. I want to see a spin-off comic book series with Deadly Dave. <laughs> Deadly Dave. <punches> Dave. <laughs> hmm. Yes, Deadly Dave punches pedophiles. It's got a nice ring yes. to it. On the next page, the scene has shifted. And per a digital clock, we understand that it's 4.13. Unclear if it's a.m. or p.m. But we understand that Bruce is making a call to Alfred. And Bruce says, the plans have changed, Alfred. The tour route is off. I have to go in alone. Would you pull Udon Kai on the mainframe? So that I can get some questions answered? Alfred replies, the material should be coming out of the printer now, sir. And we get a little bit of a printout and some of Bruce's internal thoughts. Udon Kai on the map is a triangular size shaped area in the intersection of Myanmar, Laos, and Thailand. Population, 450,000. Government, military dictatorship. Political climate, unstable. Readable factions carry out guerrilla activity. Principal exports, teak, opium. Since 1991, the child sex industry has supplanted opium as the country's major producer of hard currency. Bruce continues, Thanks, Alfred. This helps. One more thing. I need someone who speaks the language. Can you arrange that? Alfred replies, Certainly, sir. Contact me when you get to Sydney. Bruce, thank you, old friend. And then we cut to another panel with Alfred back at stately Wayne Manor. Alfred says, Good hunting, Master Bruce. Deep dusting? Yeah. Yes. A little feather duster. I imagine that Alfred has many feather dusters, but he has favorites. (laughs) Alfred must have the best health care plan in all existence. Yeah, he works for a billionaire. That's about as good (laughs) as health care as you're going to get. Once a year, it's like, I'm taking two months off. (laughs) Yeah. Especially after this whole endeavor, they're going to need a vacation. It's so bad that the first thing I thought when I... Looked at this next page as man, Dick Tracy really let himself go. I was trying to go with um, he was an extra from an Indiana Jones movie, but no. it, I, th- <laughs> I was gonna go in Indiana Jones too in my head when I saw this guy. Belloc hasn't washed his uh, 
has mm-hmm. also let himself go and hasn't washed his clothes in a while. In a while, yeah. He's got the, uh, on the next page, there's a, a, a big panel that we see, and it says Bondi Beach, Australia, or Bondi? 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 I've only seen it. I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. And in the foreground is a is kind of larger guy in a yellow suit with brown shoes and a big yellow hat. And in the background um, is a man carrying some luggage with a floral print shirt. And, oh, it's Mr. Bruce Wayne again in a floral printed shirt with that horrible <laughs> fake beard. But he approaches the man in the in the yellow suit and says, Mr. Hollister, or uh, no, the man in the yellow suit says, Mr. Hollister, I presume, welcome. And you've brought refreshments. How delightful. And on the bottom, we've got a, a panel that goes across. And we see the Hollister persona that Bruce has got. And then there's a big East India ale bottle that the guy in the yellow suit is wearing. And he says, well, let me say you have excellent taste, sir. And then Bruce says, I thought we might have some tastes in common. And he says, ha, uncommon, more likely, don't you think? That's gross and creepy. Mm. Yeah, that's creepy. I can just imagine how much Bruce Wayne is having to grit his teeth to get through this. And not punch this guy in the teeth, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. be something if it, the camera pans back and there's like a whole bunch of other people on this beach dressed completely normally. And the, these are the only two people that are <laughs> dressed like this. Like, yeah. I'd like to imagine Alfred going out to like a local big box store and finding this floral print shirt. And he's like, I'm going to get it as a joke. Ew, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's up? Her Bruce is like, I, I finally have an opportunity to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a list. Bruce hasn't been out, you know, socially since Magnum P.I. was on, so he thinks that that's <laughs> still relevant. So. The stuff we review, a little old, a lot of new. Come and join in all the fun, healthy enough when we're done. Come party with the professor. Come party with the professor. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy Show. Professor Frenzy Show. The Professor Frenzy Show. If you like indie comics and also like podcasts, Please try the Professor Frenzy Show. Find the show in iTunes Search and Facebook. Episodes tweeted out on at Professor Frenzy on Twitter. Thank you. On the next page, to a bigger panel on the top with an insert, smaller panel over the overlapping it, and three panels on the bottom. They are all of scenes at the beach. The first two are our or the two men we were just talking to now sitting down across from each other. Our friend with the hat says, No need to fence around, Mr. Hollister. My name is Morad. That's all you need to know about me. How can I be of service? And Big Jack says, I'm interested in opportunities of a certain nature in Udon Kai. I was hoping... Now, Udon Kai, that's like his fake... Um, like Thailand, Thailand and Syria. Laos, mm-hmm. Burma, mixed right. up. Uh, my dear fellow, you are not dealing with that paranoid Draco. There is no need for all this euphemism. You wish to enjoy the company of children, yes? Boys or girls? He says, girls. He said, well then, for new goods, I mean truly new goods, the price will be roughly $10,000 Australian. 10000 just for... And then the next panel creepily um, cuts to two young children, a boy and a girl on the beach. Yeah. As we see these two, sir, I'm talking about a pure virgin, a child that no Mm. one has ever touched. And though that special moment comes only once, you have the use of the child for 24 hours. Gross. 
This is vile. Oh, I'm sorry yeah, that and we're... it's just buckle up. It's gonna get. It's gonna be bumpy for the next few. Oh, and he responded, "This is legal, Morad. Perfectly legal." Well, as we know, no. I said, "Sir, legality is a creature of the moment. In Udon Kai, the age of consent is twelve. However, if you should require one much younger, there would simply be uh, additional costs involved." Sounds like paradise," he says back. "It is paradise, of course. Paradise isn't free, sir." You have the necessary money with you? I would guess it's in that nice red cooler. Yeah. Yeah. I, the feelings that we are feeling reading this, I kind of like to think that that's a connection we have with Bruce Wayne going through the, like, the fictional character, of course, but, you know, how he's having to really play this off and um, not give away any kind of disgust in his face. So it, he he's not just good with the prosthetics and the change in physical appearance. He's also good with kind of getting into the mindset of the persona he's having to portray. Yeah, he is a so, master of disguise. Yeah. So what's this guy's name? Morad says, Ah, uh, excellent, sir. And Udon Kai, go to the address I'm providing. Ask for Bat Po and give him this card. And the card we see is uh, white with a black widow spider on it in the common red hourglass. And Jack Hollister says, why a black widow? And as Morad walks away, he says, why not? In fact, Mr. Hollister, that is our chop, the signature of our organization. If you are in an Udon Kai long enough, you will see it many times in many places. Happy to have been of service, sir. So then we see um, in the bottom panel, we're back on a plane, a propellered plane, and the scene is nightfall. And Bruce says, I'm on time, Alfred, and on target. Apparently from a phone, Alfred says, Yes, sir. You will be landing in an uncharted section of the airport. The approach signal is code 33. Your guide, Rama Pien, will be waiting. And we see some script in the bottom. From Martha Wayne's journal, today's victim could be tomorrow's predator unless we intervene properly. But it is not true that an abused child must grow up to be a criminal. Mm -hmm. yeah, now on the next page. Who, for somebody who's in the business yeah. that that guy is, he was incredibly forthcoming about everything. So so, so is everybody in this. It's, it just kind of baffles me a little bit how, you know, there's there's no uh, discreetness. Everything's really out in the, in the open. Well, what he was saying in the book, uh, they barely touched on it here. I don't think they really did at all, other than saying, like, oh, I'm not paranoid. But in the book, they go on that actually having this conversation in Australia is not illegal. So they could say whatever they want. Um, so that's why he was just kind of flaunting it. He said that there are people in parliament or whatever who want to change that. But for right now, we have, quote unquote, the freedom of speech to talk about these horrible things out in the open without consequence. And on our next page, we see a long horizontal panel followed by a, a narrow vertical panel. And it's buffered by two other panels. In the top panel, we see Bruce at the controls of an airplane. He's contacting Alfred. Alfred, this Ramagin, you're absolutely certain of his credentials? Impeccable, sir. The government of Udon Khan has the price of his on his head for treason. Good enough, Bruce replies. Anything else? Draco's yacht left port 13 days ago, headed for Udon Kai. Bruce's plane lands. He exits. There's a man there waiting to greet him, and he bows. Rama, begin at your service. Big Jack Hollister, Bruce replies. Pleased to meet you. And once they get in a car, Bruce is sitting in the back. And Rama again is at the driver's seat. He turns and he says to Bruce, 
I regret the accommodations will be sparse. Uh, my employer said you wished privacy above all else, yes? Bruce as Hollister replies, yeah, that's right, don't worry about me. Once I get my bearings, I'll be out of your hair. There is another man involved. He's the one you have to translate for, okay? But first, I want to kind of get the lay of the land, all right? And he replies, uh, Rama again says, I'm at your disposal, sir. I can't wait to get a better look at Rama Bien because I've been really curious to see how he's depicted, but from that little bit we get of the side, he looks so young. He really does look young, yeah. But he's one of my favorite characters in this book, so I'm looking forward to these. Uh, the next page, we have a caption that says, The streets of Mei Nsao, capital of Udan Kai. And it's got three panels going through the center, and behind all three of them is a collage of, like, girls and triple X, sex, live, nude, and then there's, like, boys for sale, boys, 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 and all these, what are supposed to be, I'm sure, flashing neon signs in this part of this horrible city. The first panel in the center we have is a crowd of people looking up at a stage, and there's a man on a chair in a red robe. The middle panel is the man in the red robe, but someone bringing out a young child. Looks like probably maybe a little girl. Um, and there's a green bed behind the man in the red robe. And then we see Bruce Wayne as Hollister saying, or thinking to himself, it's time. So is there like an audience of people that are... Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You know, in an attempt to add, add any amount of levity whatsoever, because this is getting pretty grief, I was reminded with the, the collage of all of the signs before there there is a um, strip club a few miles away from us that one time we went by and they had the following three signs from left to right it said girls 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 for sale and then apartment for rent yeah <laughs> <laughs> girls 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 for sale apartment, apartment for rent. rent on the next page uh, off to the well we have a splash page which is intercut with um, panels on the right the splash page is of batman posing again uh with kelly joan cape um, everywhere. Um, we're hearing, Mother, is this the demon you bottled? Upon my life, I swear to you, I will carry your flag into battle, to victory or to death. How did he get there? Oh. He's Batman. All right. He On was raised right, by President. Is it Mr. Hollister? Mr. Hollister, sir? All right. He doesn't look as young as he did in the, the previous one. What's this guy's name? Uh, Rama Bien. Rama, Rama Bien. Bien is coming in. I probably have the pronunciation wrong, but I just kind of went with... I, I just went with consistency. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Batman says, don't be afraid. I have come to ask you for help. Big Jack Hollister told you about me. I'm the man who needs a translator. I need to go to the mountains, Rama Bien, to the places where people sell their children like cattle. That is, sadly, a very easy request to meet. When would you wish to go? Now. Tonight. But first... There's another place I want to visit. Nice Batman voice. Thank you. <laughs> so on the next page, we see someone flashing that card with the Black Widow spider. And someone says, where did you get this? Did you steal it? I think Rama Bien is translating, or he's the one uh, at the door. And he says, I am not a thief. I obtained the card from a white man. He is staying at the hotel. He told me to fetch the girl and bring her to him. The man at the door says, Pah, that's impossible. It is not permitted. Too dangerous. He must come here. Well, he gets his wish because Batman is breaking through, I don't know if it's a roof or a wall, there's just wood splintering everywhere. And Batman is saying, translate for me, Rama Bien, tell him I am here. So in the one of these small panels, <laughs> Batman has a hold of this doorman by the throat and this doorman has an eye patch. And I think Rama Bien is kind of watching as a silhouette in the background. And Batman says, 
Tell him I assume he's the illustrious Bat Po, the seller of children. Tell him I want the girl. Ramabien says, He says there are no girls here. You have made a mistake. He says, and we get, Hi! As a ninja, or someone comes in with a sword, dressed in black. I don't know what Batman is flinging. He's backhanding him. Yeah, he anticipates oh. it. Yeah, right right at the moment he closes in from behind. You know, Batman swings, swings that fist. But that goes with a rock, so we just see a swoop and this guard's arm. That's why I wasn't really sure what was going on there. I mean, you did kind of telegraph your approach with the hey! You can't really sneak up on someone with that. <laughs> yeah, two Ks on the rock for double emphasis, too, by the way. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Not just any rock, a double K rock. On our next page, Batman continues his onslaught. He's clutched the man by his throat, and he says, Tell him, your larynx is next. Ah! As he screams, voice off panel says, He says, upstairs! I'm guessing since that, that bubble is like outlined in red, that he's really serious. Yes. We smash cut to the next bigger panel in the page, uh, taking up uh, the top half of the page. And Bruce sees young woozy girl who look, whose face looks practically comatose, but yet she's kind of in an upright position. And Bayman says, my God. In the next final panel, we see uh, Bruce is now carrying what appears to be the unconscious girl away. And he says, take care, sir. Batpo will have more men. And Batman grimly says, just with his face covered in shadow, I hope so. Oh, good thing I didn't make you a Robin. I see you've got that gun there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think one of Batman's new favorite pastimes is going to be beating up pedophiles. I mean, I would approve of that, so... Yep. I think it's a worthy cause, too. On the next page, top of the page is two panels that are horizontal. Then there's there's one larger one that's vertical towards the bottom, with three smaller ones abutting that. So at the top, we've got Batman making a mad dash out of where I assume then he broke in, which I think must have been a boarded up window or something. But he's speeding out of there with the little girl in his arms. We've got uh, Rama Bien going for the door on the car and saying, you have done a good thing, sir, but with all respect, you should not return this child to her family. And Batman asks, why not? Um, the next panel, they're driving along. Apparently, w- once again, he decided to like uh, delay answering the question until they were on the road. And they were just in <laughs> this awkward silence up until that point. Um, and then he says, because they sold her. They do not admit that, of course. The child buyers pay cash. They say the children must work enough to earn that cash before they can return home. And then Batman is asking, and is this ever done? And Rama Bien says, no, never. So then we're into the the vertical panel in the bottom, like, two-thirds of the page, and there's a caption, Dawn in the Mountains of Udon Kai, and they're in some kind of cave out in the jungle somewhere, and Batman's looking out over it and says, she fought hard. They had to drug her. And Rama asks, Warrior, tell me, will the girl survive? Batman says, I gave her an injection to speed the wake cycle, and yes, she will recover, my friend. Rama says, Warrior, I, I know who you are. You're Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. (laughs) The famous billionaire from Gotham, obviously. And then in in the first of the final three panels, we've got a close-up of Batman's face, Rama behind him facing away, and he says, I call you warrior because that is the closest translation from our language. High in these mountains is where the warrior lives. Some call him a legend, but all know the truth. And Batman begins to say, Rama, be and I am not, but then he interrupts. Daredevil. I'm not daredevil. (laughs) Horns and all. Moon Moon Knight, yeah. And Rama continues and says, I know you must say that, but it is written when the warrior appears in the form of a man. On that day, the walls will begin to crumble. The walls that enslave us. So Batman's a prophecy? Evidently. All right, then. 
If they crack, people will see inside. Then we will have the chance to fight for our freedom. Interesting change. In the book, the drug that Batman gave her was to slow the sleep, uh, to slow down the wake cycle because he didn't want her to wake up too soon and panic. He wanted her to sleep long enough for the drug to get through her system and then kind of wake up naturally. Yeah. either case, he's giving her a pharmaceutical grade tranquilizer or amphetamine is basically Yeah, true. Not only not knowing exactly what they gave her and what kind of reaction they, they might have, but also not knowing, you know, her exact weight or the fact that she's a child and what kind of dosage to give. So, either way, probably not the best thing to do, but... <laughs> Batman's a walking civil rights violation throughout this entire book. <laughs> well. Okay, on the next page, we've got the panel, uh, horizontal panel across the top and then four vertical panels below it. Uh, the one on the top, you see Batman standing behind his face obscured while... What is his name again? Rama Bien. Rama Bien. Mm-hmm. Is standing uh, foreground and prominent. Uh, Batman says, you sound like a revolutionary. Nothing gets past you, Batman. Uh, Rama Bien <laughs> says, I pray I am. Only revolution will save the children of Udan Kai. They have no advocates, warrior. Where are all the people outraged around the world? There are many myths that leave that leave evil in their wake. Is that not so? There is a myth that powder from the from the horn of a rhino is an aphrodisiac. That myth is under powerful attack. Environmentalists want to save the rhino from extinction. And they have a wonderful media campaign. They whip up public support all around the world. And now it is illegal to traffic in rhino horn. The governments of the world impose trade sanctions and citizens call for economic boycotts, too. International treaties are passed. Something is happening, you see. There is a real reason to be optimistic about the survival of the rhino. But there is another myth that sex with a little girl will restore sexual prowess. That is ugh, that is true. I remember reading about that in social disgusting. Mm. Um, that sex with a little boy is safe because you can't get AIDS from a child. Ugh. Oh, this... The story makes me queasy. I mean, it should. Yeah. That's... I feel <laughs> guilty for roping you guys into no, this. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. We listened to that last one that you did, and it was very well put together. Indeed. Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. <laughs> me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Oh, hey, I was looking at these old comics, and I noticed that there's Hold a Hold girl... that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? We have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married, we change our names, we combine our comic collections, we start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly f*** up. <laughs> she goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey to Phoenix to Dead. Um, <laughs> and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys. <laughs> a brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. A brainwave camera. <laughs> And Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast. We're two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. 
The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.libsyn.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. So we see Batman and Ramabien standing at the mouth of the cave, and Batman says, But those myths are not... And Rama interrupts him. Not true? What is true is what people believe, warrior. Where is the public outcry to attack those myths? Where are the laws to protect children? Why should it be that men of evil can plot to come here and rape our children and that it is not a crime in their home country? When will we shoot the poachers of children on sight? That's a good uh, point, Rama Bien. Yeah. I uh, at first didn't recognize who was sitting in the foreground. That was actually the little girl. So now we see they must be hiking somewhere. Batman looks to have a backpack on and Rama Bien is behind him and behind Rama is the little girl. And Rama continues, Do not think I see myself as some great patriot warrior. I fight for my country, yes, but there is a deeper need within me. I had a little cousin, Lily, a beautiful child. They came to our village and took her. I searched for her, though my family forbade it. By the time I found her, she had become one of Les Enfants du Secret. I don't know if anyone knows French better than I do, but I just took a stab at it. We see a larger panel and someone in army fatigues and boots standing above what looks like Batman and Rama Bien and the child coming from through the forest floor below. And this uh, figure on top is holding it. We see the silhouette of some kind of rifle. And uh, Batman says, The children of the secret? I don't... And Rama says, The secret of our shame, warrior, and the secret of all nations which send their men to use our babies. Lily was a toy. She was used and then she was thrown away. I killed the men who had her, but she did not live long enough to see her home again. And we see the back of Batman's head and he's carrying the little girl against him so she's looking over his shoulder at us. Right now this child is my lily, warrior. I will fight for her, and if I must, die for her. And warrior, I know this. I will kill for her as well. Rama Bien is a very passionate young man, and I applaud him for that. That's why he was one of my favorite characters. He is pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 I think he gets a lot of uh, good scenes in this issue. This is really mm-hmm. good. I have no idea, though, what is growing at the uh, foot of the soldier, though. I don't know if those look like Easter eggs or mushrooms. Mushrooms, but I don't know. yeah. I, was say <laughs> I don't know what that is. Maybe chocolate chip cookies? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Muffin. I want to find that plant. <laughs> On our next page, we have the classic 2 by 3 grid. And a caption reads, Morning, a village deep in the mountains. Bateman talks to Rama Bien and he says, Remember, my friend, simultaneous translation. And it continues. Rama Bien says, The girl belongs to this one, warrior. He sold her. And a man speaks in uh, English translation, you know, for the benefit of us. Presumably, though, we, we he's, he's talking in the native tongue. Uh, not not sold. Uh, she would be back when she earned. Rambian cuts her off. Do not lie. What kind of man would sell his child into slavery? Then someone speak off panel. He says, may I speak? We see a elder man then continuing the conversation. Again, it's translated for in English for our benefit. We know who you are, warrior. And we know you have come for a reason. I am the leader here. I know this place. He continues in the fourth panel. This man had nine children. 
Nine. How could they be fed? The poppy does not grow well here. He continues in the fifth panel. He knows it is wrong to sell a child. His heart is heavy with pain. But I ask you, warrior, if you were this poor father, what would you do? Batman says. Tell him this, Rama began. In the final panel, Batman speaks. I would not feed my children with the blood of one of their sisters or brothers. If I were to stand where you stood, I would steal. Or keep it in your pants after the fourth or fifth child. (laughs) (laughs) Find other options. We know what causes pregnancy now, yeah. We then have a a big panel that takes up most of the page with a couple with guns pointed at Batman, I assume. There's an insert panel of Batman and Rama being... Man who was speaking last said, Warrior, there is nothing to steal. There is no money here. What would you have us do then? And Batman says, Those who bully your children have money, and you know where to find them. They, uh, oh, I see. And then these guys show up, and the the man in front has got, he's dressed in brown, two people behind him, a man and a woman dressed in green, sort of fatigues, kind of like Rambo mm-hmm. kind of style, gorilla stuff. Um, but he says, Rama Bien, uh, you have been gone a long while. Now you return to us with a stranger who hides his face. And we assume Rama's responding, Honored Luang, I am pleased that you are here. Now I have no need to seek you out. And the man apparently, who's Luang, says, You do not answer me, my brother. Bottom two panels. Show respect, Luang. This is the warrior. He has come with my own eyes. I saw him defeat one of Bot Po's ninjas as though he were an infant. He has come to conquer those who enslave our children. Luang replies and says, And how does your warrior plan to do this? Others have tried to take the demon in his den before. And Batman says, Translate for me, Rama Bien. The den of the demon you speak of, what place is this? Kind of like that Batman is standing there this whole time, just not knowing what's going on. And I also was thinking that that guy up front uh, looks looks like a feral UPS driver. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his hat a on. A feral UPS driver, yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that Batman serves in these two pages as our voice. You know, he's reacting with outrage with what's coming, and they shoot him down with the, listen, you privileged asshole. Don't yeah. really <laughs> not come into our village dressed up like a flying rodent, telling us, like, you telling know exactly what our lives. situation yeah. is. Yeah. Right, yeah. I did kind of get into it with the with the book where he said, well, you, the people who, who buy your children have money. They don't go into it here, but I was like, yeah, but for one, it's a three-hour drive from this village to the city. Um, how will these people get there? And if they do, they're not trained. They don't have the skills to go against these ninjas. So he's still speaking from a place of privilege, even though he's thinking that he's giving them, you know, this moral option, which the other options would be great, but there's still barriers there. Personally, I can't see Batman in any circumstance advocating that people steal, you know, he he does have that level of respect for the law, as it were. But I mean, he wouldn't. He'd be okay with them stealing, but he's not going to tell them. You go there, steal. <laughs> you yeah. go there, steal. Yeah. Maybe since he, it would be stealing from the people who are buying the children, he figures that's a a lesser of two evils type of thing. For sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It's Batman yeah. has been kind of. Pr- portrayed as the audience insert character throughout this. He asks the questions that people would have, and he is told off when he says something out of in, like innocent ignorance. There's a lot of right. things that, that he said that are... It's I do enjoy that. It's I, I gotta, This comic has a really hard job of it to, to adapt a novel with a very hard 
very rough su- subject matter, and they're doing a good job of making sure that they get the valiant points down. Yeah, right. And there's no real warning, though, even on the text itself, though. There's like, I, I don't see if this is like for mature readers anywhere, or, you know, there's nothing really with respect to the uh, subject matter on, no. on the book itself. And, and yeah. no warning, no content. I mean, this, I mean, these days there'd be content warnings all over it, but it is kind of surprising. It does kind of, well, I guess we, we can talk about that at the end of it. But there's some aspects of this that just really do bring up obvious cash grab, which is unfortunate. But ultimately, anything that gains the idea, I guess, being anything that gains, you know, the, that puts eyes on this problem. If any if mm. X percentage of people who bought or read one of these things donated to one of the places that's mentioned. Mm-hmm. In the end, right. That's a good. That's goal. a good thing. Yeah. I almost wish they had, like, in the novel as well, uh, he had brought it back, and he does a little bit, I think, toward the end, but brings it back more even to the United States, because people don't realize what a problem it is even here in this country. And um, I was at the university where I work, they had a panel of, like, nurses and police officers and a former trafficked woman who... Now law enforcement is trying to educate people on the signs, educate nurses on the signs, and like other medical personnel. So they're like, you know, wait, this person is, they look like they're being controlled. Let me see if I can get them alone and talk to them. So this seems like it's years and years too late, but there is finally a push to try to recognize signs of trafficking versus just prostitution and treat it as like a a societal issue and not like you guys are, are selling yourselves, you're criminals, but something that that anyone, whether it be a, uh, someone in the medical profession or, you know, just trying to get the word out there in, by any means necessary of things that you can look at to try to look for. And I believe there's an app out there as well where you can take pictures of your hotel room and upload it to a database so that people can try to match. Um, I don't know if it's still a thing. I think it is, though. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-mm. I've not heard of that. But no. It's an app. You take pictures of your hotel room and, like, where the hotel room is, what city, state, what hotel it is. And that way, if police have an image of a child who's being held, and a lot of times it's in hotel rooms, they can try to match that with what is being uploaded into this database created by users. That's amazing. So anyway, sorry to, to derail here. No, it's sad that, that something like that has to exist, but it's it's good that it does. There is some unfortunate problematic aspects about the civil rights of that. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to defend these people that are doing this, but... Want to see like where you're going with that, John? Um, um, I, I personally, I don't, I don't see a problem because it's in a hotel room. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. In certain states, though, it is illegal to record a person without their consent, or if they, you can, but it might not be admissible. It's going to depend on the jurisdiction. No, I mean, like the the person who is staying in the hotel room as a tourist or a traveler, they just take a picture of the hotel room. Yeah, nothing yeah. else, just the room. Oh, just the background. Oh, just and the, then, back to the background. And then, if police have their hands on child pornography that is being done in a hotel room they do oh, try to match they can match the hotel okay. room that's where it's happening now yeah. that i've listened to what you said mm-hmm. that um you can just chop that <laughs> that's why when you said, said uh, civil rights violation i was like what so i just want to clarify okay good we're on the same page now <laughs> okay so on the next page can we call this woman Ramba? Ramba? Yes. So is Ramba, Ramba I, I can't tell if Ramba is talking. Ramba's holding a no, small child I think in the it's... air, but someone in the background is talking to Batman. Yeah. And says, I think it's Ramba. Yeah. It is called the castle. The army protects it with the opium trade so difficult. The slavery of children is the demon's business. Without the foreign exchange from this business, the government cannot survive. This castle, can it be taken by a guerrilla force like yours? All right, Batman. Um, yes, it is guarded, but not so well. We will lose some of our people, but we could take it. 
All of you have given much in your fight to free Udankai. But your fight is for nothing if your children are not free. To sell a child for the pleasure and profit of others is a mortal sin. It is the ultimate evil. He said the thing. He, he said, said the, the thing. thing. He said the he thing. Said the it's the title of the book. <laughs> and it is time for that evil to end. It is indeed. I stand with, Ra- with Rama Bien. I jo- joined the struggle so that I might live with honor, and if that is not to be, I will die with honor. And Batman's like, I assume that was an affirmation. <laughs> Ooh, they're like um, Black Panther's girlfriend, where she's taken out those guys at the beginning of the movie. Who have all the, who have the kids or the adolescents at least in the bands? I cannot remember her name. It's been a while. In Black Panther, I can't remember. Oh, uh, in the next page, we see these guerrilla soldiers and Batman uh, standing in front of a hut, and someone says, "Opal is one of the most fierce of our fighters, but this is a matter that must be carefully considered." Batman says, "I will see if I can be of some help in case your decision is a favorable one, Luang." Then we see a white car coming up a mountain road, and it's blocked by a wooden barrier. And some people have some guns pointed at the driver. And the the panel at the top says, Four days later. One of the ones holding the gun says, You, out of your vehicle, now. And the bottom panel, we see a red-headed man with suspenders getting out of the car. He's smiling, got sunglasses on. And he's got a gun to his face, but say it's Conan O'Brien delivering weapons. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Conan oh O'Brien. my lord! Ugh, talk about a tough crowd. He says, "Hey, I was wondering if I'd ever find you people. I've got a gift to deliver." And one of the gorillas says, "A gift? What is this gift?" And Conan O'Brien says, "Light." That's not important right now. <laughs> Light anti-armor weapons, M60s, concussion grenades, flashbangs, street sweepers, you name it. It's a gift from Big Jack Hollister. It gets for Lily Bien. So he's opens up the back of his car and he's showing off a box full of guns that just says yeah, danger so on the side. Is Batman weapons trafficking? Yeah, he's like giving yeah. these people serious weapons for their At, fight against... I think I skipped a part. Yeah, he doesn't kill people, but he will look the other way and leave things around for others. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if not for the high forehead and the hair swoop, you know, I, I had Matt Murdock. I said, what's Daredevil doing in this comic book? <laughs> <laughs> like, With the dark shades, but... With the know, dark shades, yeah. You know what sure. this place needs? Yeah. Guns! And how did he drive? Picturing him with his cane out the window. Yes. <laughs> oh, every time. Matt Murdock spends way too much time Daredevil behind the wheel. Driving. Which yeah. is impossible. <laughs> yeah. He can't know how to drive because Matt yeah. Murdock doesn't know how to drive. You know, nobody right, would have ever told him, that's the brake, that's the gas pedal, this is what how you steer. Exactly. And I'd imagine, even with his super senses, that the glass that's there, the interior will kind of distort sitting, so he can't really actually know what's going on anyway that's we off on a tangent there <laughs> well moving right along Ooh, i if you don't guys don't mind i will take the next two pages to, since i don't have any dialogue here but go here for we it. go okay uh the next page we we've got uh three panels and the first one that uh, takes up the entire page or rather the 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 Better than uh, a third, I'd say. We, we've got uh, a guerrilla force, and they they are at the foot of a of a uh, of this rocky base of a castle, and it's a guerrilla force, and they're they're looking about and trying to judge. It appears what, what of an incline this is, and then the next panel we see Batman uh, with rope 
over one shoulder and rope in hand, and he's making an ascent. And we see that he is climbing up, and there are two sentries at, at, at what appears to be the base. But Batman is undetected. We go to the next page, and we've got these three vertical panels played out. And then we see the two sentries wincing in pain as if they are attacked from behind, but we don't see exactly what it is, but we have to presume they're taken out. The next panel, we see Batman uh, hanging onto the rope and lowering some rope. And in the final panel, we see gorilla operatives ascending along to meet Batman. Dun, dun, dun. Stealth. Pure stealth. That's what I was wondering, if he threw them off the cliff. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I think he threw them off the cliff is my guess. Batman doesn't kill people. Gravity and a hard impact kills <laughs> <laughs> It depends on the mood Batman's in. Right, and I'm guessing with, he's in a very bad mood when he comes to all this. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, not a lot of patience for these guys I don't think Batman has. He's breaking more windows, though, in the next page. Is the implication here that he has beat the snot out of these people? Yes. At the top of this page? Yeah, it looks like it. Because he's breaking a window and then jumping through the window as it breaks in the next panel. It's a a pretty cool Batman jumping through a window pose with his feet together like that, but in shards of glass everywhere. And it says, instinct draws the Batman. And then on the bottom, we've got him again with the big cape. More people in pain behind him, and the caption reads, Toward the highest levels of the castle, sensing his target will be there. Um, And then we have this kind of awkward shot of the back of Batman's head and some stairs, and it says, Surrounded like a spider in its web by the deadliest... You want to get sued? Surrounded (laughs) like a spider in its web by the deadliest of barriers. Stairs. His only weakness. (laughs) (laughs) I think on the top panel there, Mm -hmm. it's... He's still outside of the tower, and he's knocked these people that were outside of it, and now he's kicking his way in. In, right, and exactly. And then right. upstairs, and then up more stairs. Might as yeah. well do the next one. So. Oh, and, and on, the ne- yeah, on the next page, it's this, like a sequence of, of a fight with another ninja dressed in a green robe, is the colors, I guess. Batman kicks him in the face, and he spits out blood, and his hands look like they cramp up, apparently, from the force. Batman takes out a, a, another person and leaves them bloody and unconscious. I think that's one person. Is this the same person all yes. three times? Mm-hmm. Well, that guy had a real He's bad day. He's having a bad day. Yep, <laughs> he had a real bad day. And then uh, there's a little caption that says, Outside, explosions. I always love how they draw Batman running, because he looks like he's trying to catch himself before taking a tumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's always just about to fall. <laughs> yeah. Stupid cape! <laughs> you gotta it's like a kite you gotta have enough momentum so that it stays up behind you doesn't get tangled <laughs> in your feet all right on the next page with a womp womp a womp and a brip 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 they sh- the, the gorillas are shooting their way with mortar shells and machine guns um the assault is on you can see the for lack of a better term good guys are charging their way up uh, with the guns i mean when you're talking about yes, pedophiles the, the people versus people who want to hurt pedophiles are, are attacking the pedophiles i'm going to side with the people who want to hurt man pedophiles. there's a rather a gruesome shot of oh someone with bullet wounds someone got bullet, bullet wounds Jeez, in his chest and the bottom real someone else is ram is gi joe in his way through and and the UPS guy is like, I got a package for you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Rob Liefeld that'll be his new freaking uh, third party. UPS? UPS, no. UPS guy. UPS guy. Look, he thought Cable FedEx was man. a good name for it. I... So, UPS. I'm going to just do the next page, too, because there wasn't really much. Right. There's okay? no rules anymore. Right. <laughs> the page afterwards uh, has uh, th- three panels on the top and then um, three... 
three on the bottom. On the top, we see UPS guy and Ramba and... <laughs> Ramba, whose name is Opal, but I, I do like Ramba. Ramba and I don't... Ramba. Ramba and Greeny <laughs> yeah. are, are charging forward. They're saying something in their language. Oh, no, it's Ramba Bin. And Ramba Bin says, I see Opal. And he goes, and act. You protect the child slaver as he hits uh, somebody in the face. They are luckily um, color coded for, for your convenience. For your convenience, you can tell who's who here. Uh, so the other guy gets hit really hard in the face, and blood is shooting out. And now, in the next one, it looks like he's then driving the staff into part of his body lethally. I would assume, as he said, "Do not expect to be treated like a man." All right, moving on from that. Meanwhile, downstairs, Batman is running up the stairs. Sounds of the battle grousing. Oh, grossing battle. But not enough to cover something moving ahead. I like the second panel on the bottom where you see Batman's silhouette behind him. Uh-huh. It's very Jim Aparo 1970s esque. Hmm. I always like it. I love it when Batman's shadow is part of his thing. Yeah. People see it and, <laughs> and legitimately get scared of just the yeah. shadow. It's great. Next page. Oh. Holy. A lot of blood splatter there, too. My gosh. So on the next page, Batman gets to the top of the stairs and we see a woman with a mohawk and a purple suit and she's holding a chain that is attached to the collar of a, I think they called it, this was a snow leopard that they called in the book. Kill Chewie, kill! And I wish I could do the Chewbacca sound, but (laughs) he goes, (laughs) (laughs) So this uh, snow leopard lunges for Batman Batman brings up his right forearm and kind of lets the leopard kind of get a hold of that. And then he falls backward and lets the momentum of the cat throw it into a wall. And the woman's like, Chewie, no! So she throws a blade at Batman. I'll I'll continue with the uh, full spread thing that we got going. So the knife is thrown at Batman. He knocks it away with a puck. Looks like he backhands this woman hard enough to send blood flying from her mouth with a whap. And then Batman turns back toward the uh, snow leopard. Again, his shadow doesn't appear to be matching what he, he himself is doing. But the, the snow leopard is kind of going off to do its own thing. And Batman says, suddenly disinterested in this insanity. Nice to see someone around here understands the situation, friend. So it's good. We don't want to see Batman beat up any animals. We like animals. Yeah. So Batman continues into this corridor that's uh, stone walls. And he thinks to himself... Question is, where did you come from? There's no door, nothing. And yet, has to be a way out of here. And he's kind of prodding at the brick walls. He must find something. He says, passageway towards some kind of catwalk and total dark, a sliver of light ahead. So he's walking deeper into this corridor toward this sliver of light that he apparently sees. See, am I the only one who has a hard time with the perspective in that last panel? Uh, it's like we're looking down yeah. at him. Yeah, is that what it is? Because it looks like he's either up against a wall or like face down on the floor. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. He made a yeah, it's check odd. found a secret door. I guess, yeah, but I'm just saying like the way the wall and the floor is. Yeah, yeah. Bayman's in an Escher work all of a sudden here. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he's climbing up the wall and finding a little passageway up. Uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, Maybe I have no idea what's happening. Maybe the next. Either way, he's going somewhere. He's going forward. Mm-hmm. Moving along. On the next page, and I, since I started this uh, two-page mess, I'll, I will revert back to the single page now. Then <laughs> we go back to, uh, let's see, one panel, two, five panels. And the first one, we, we just basically see Batman spying through the grating. And bas- Batman says to himself, a grating with a view to the spider at the center of his web. 
and we see what Bayman's looking at. And it's a new character. We've, we've got a, uh, distinguished gray-haired man, and it's distinguished because he's smoking a pipe, and he's, he's speaking on a telephone that's white, and he, it appears he's surrounded by some, uh, what appears to be 90s tech equipment, for lack of a better, uh, visual for our listeners. And then he's on the phone, and we hear his call in progress. And he speaks into the receiver, and he says, We're having some difficulty. But even if your so-called soldiers can't stop a handful of ill-trained rebels, it'll take them hours to get in here. Nevertheless, it might be prudent if my allotment of troops could be increased, say, within the next ten minutes, damn it, are you listening to me? And then his voice is interrupted. There's an explosion in the room. The man is jolted back a little bit. We hear this, broom. Then a figure comes in, and she speaks. He says, Your day is done, William Melody. Your troops are gone. Most ran like cowards. What I want is your list. The infant du secret. I must know where your children are. And then he retorts back, My dear fellow, you cannot seriously expect me to have such information. The children are sold. Voila. That's it. My death won't change it. Or change human nature. Then Bayman continues to watch and he thinks, Rama, begin? And on this next page, this guy really looks like, oh, Hi, settle, central casting. I need an aging pedophile, please. Yeah, he <laughs> looks sinister as hell. Uh, So, Malady continues to speak, saying, Only the technology changes. When I began, one needed film processors, distributors, that sort of thing. Today, any adult who owns a child can make a perfectly commercial video anywhere. I am an anachronism, a relic. To kill me changes nothing. And uh, Rama Bian continues yelling at him, Enough! You stole my lily! You are not a man! You are a demon! You are a peddler of children! Malady responds, if it were not me, it would only be someone else. I understand you feel wronged, my young friend. I understand your anger. Believe me, I do. And I am completely open to the concept of reparations. As he presses a button uh, with his foot under his desk. Rama being going like full Rambo in this, by the way, too. We're in wingtips, no less. Yeah, yeah, and Malady and wingtips. Give me just, not that I have anything against wingtips, but now I do. <laughs> Give me just a moment, and I'm sure we can, and then there's a click of him hitting the button. Batman, from his vantage, sees a sliver of light where there wasn't one before. He drops down through the grating, one presumes, into some other area, where there's a guard with a gun pointed down through another grate, yeah, or an air like, vent, I guess. Is that the shoot the guy button that he pushes with his foot? Yeah, this is the button that opens the door where this guy spends his time, I guess. Oh, yeah, he just, he just stays there, like like the uh, the fire lighters in and Lord of the Rings. They just wait there for years and years. <laughs> until, oh, <laughs> finally, the light, the yeah. light. I can do something I now. Didn't load my gun today. But I have a feeling, yeah, it's not going to go very well for this guy. Oh, uh, next uh, full page splash with an insert where we see a finger about to pull a trigger, but the splash is of Batman who and his teeth. Somehow, uh, Batman has jumped with his lots of teeth, Mm -hmm. uh, grimaces, is coming down with a ka-chow, no less. Ooh, that means business. Uh, With the left, he um, pushes the gun out of the way. Um, He said the concentration of the sniper is is on the figure in his sights. His figure is already tightening on the trigger, but his bullets will never find Ramapien. The sound of the shot still has meaning. It tells William X. Malady his last hope has failed. So then we're back down in the room with Malady and Ramabien. Malady is looking a bit more nervous. He has his hands up and Ramabien still has the gun pointed toward him. Malady says, please, whatever one man steals, another can return. As I said, restitution can be made. And Rama says, you have had your moments, liar. What you steal can never be returned. You stole my lily. You steal childhood itself. 
and we see uh, Batman's thoughts. I must stop Ramabien. Yet, and then the phrase, you steal childhood itself, it really makes an impact on him. His words echo, the horror of their reality resonates, acid on the glass surface of my soul, etching a pattern of pain. So we just see Batman kind of in the dark, looking down at the scene below, really grimacing like there's no tomorrow. I can see it. I see gingivitis. <laughs> gingivitis. <laughs> I see the children of Gotham City of Urunkai. And the child within me, writhing, anguished, cries out. And that cry is my mother's name. Then we see close-up Malady's face from the side in the barrel of a gun, pretty much right at his forehead. Rama says, You took my lily. Now there is a new lily. It may be true what you say. Someone else may follow. But you, monster, will still childhood no more. Malady says, No. In the last panel, Rama Bien, who has blood and tears down his face, says nothing as he pulls the trigger with a blam. And Batman's like, yep, there's another problem solved by a gun, as I often do. <laughs> yep. Oh, on the next page, we see his diplomatic immunity has been revoked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lethal weapon too, you know, with the uh, with a lot more blood as the bullet takes uh, goes through the forehead, and we just get this nice little single stream of blood just splattering, and it's getting all over his suit, presumably as his head tilts backward. In the second panel, we see Batman's eternal thought: "I understand, Mother. I am the child, and I am the man. I have finished, and I have begun." We have three panels left of the page, and the next one, a vertical panel. And then Opal says, uh, it is done, Rama. We must go. More soldiers will be here soon. Rama says, Opal, what of the warrior with the gun still smoking? And we see the hunched-over figure with legs legs over the desk and just uh, still still body, body still smoldering there in the chair. And Rama says, Lily needs us, my brother. Come. In the final panel, her thoughts, or her, her voice continues. We just see the shadow of Batman. The warrior walks where he will. Scene. I do kind of like that. The warrior walks where he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very Batman. Although in the panel right next to it, you see Malady's legs over the desk somehow. Is that thing going off to the right his arm with like a slipper over his hand? Like, what is that? What's that black and gray thing? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it might be the arm of the chair, but it doesn't really match the rest of the fabric. Oh, maybe it is. And it's just a different color. Oh, and that would be be. his wrist, like, draped over it. Okay. Yeah. It's a weird perspective, but but he pretty much died with as much dignity as he deserved, which is not much at all. Absolutely. So now on the next page, we've got Batman on the phone, and Deborah Kane on the other end says, It's good to hear from you, Bruce. Your trip went well, I hope. (laughs) Boy. And he says, Very well, Deborah. You never accomplish everything you set out to do, of course, but I think I made a good start. It was almost as good as that trip to Hungary I took back in the 30s. <laughs> back in nearly 39 or whatever. Yeah. And he continued. Oh, he's back in the back cave. Okay. There's Alfred behind him with a mug of chocolate beer. milk. Chocolate milk, hot, hot <laughs> choco. I don't know. Um, but Batman monologues and says, You taught me a great deal about what can be done to protect our children, and I appreciate it. I'd be grateful if you'd continue to share your knowledge. Deborah Kane gets her own little close-up panel saying, of course I will. Anything I can do. And I'm very glad you're interested in what we're trying to do. And then Batman in the next panel has a line that I don't know how you could say it and not make it sound creepy, but he says, oh, I'm interested. I'm very interested, Deborah. I just think that sounds odd. Anyways, <laughs> Alfred comes up. Oh, it looks like it's soda? Rum and coke. 
Tea, rum, and coke? Give us some ice, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Alfred says, more news from Udan Kai, sir. The revolution continues to gather strength. What started with sporadic raids on child prostitution has escalated dramatically. Much of the regular army has dis- has deserted, and a number of government officials have fled the country. Everything's coming up, Batman. All it took was mm-hmm. one motivated billionaire <laughs> in to a bat suit into yeah. a fictional country, and no more child pornography ha- or child abuse happens there. Yeah. Alfred continues in the final panel on the page. Uh, moreover, there is the matter of an ongoing yacht named the Lollipop. Ocean going. Ocean going. Ocean, what did I say? Ongoing? Yeah. Moreover, there is the matter of an ocean going yacht named the Lollipop. And Batman says it's been spotted. Uh, and Alfred replies it was blown apart somewhere in the Indian Ocean, Master Bruce. A Greek tanker saw it all. No survivors, I'm afraid. Ah, that's a shame. So yacht not, full of pedophiles. So not Damn. a good ship, then. Not the good ship, Lollipop. Oh, no. The, the, real, the bad, bad, bad ship. Good ship, Lollipop. All right. Next page has uh, one panel on the top horizontal with Alfred speaking, and the next three are uh, Bruce and Alfred together. Alfred puts his hand on Bruce's shoulder at one point in the middle. Alfred says, Udon Kai is not yet stable, of course. The rebels control the mountains, but pitch battles continue in the streets. However, sir, the sex tourism business is dead, as dead as its kingpin. Kingpin is not in the story. Yes. That's a good thing. I don't think Pink Kingpin would be into uh, no. No. William X. Malady. I always like, as an aside, I love it whenever Batman's sitting in the Batcave with his collar down. I do, too. Yeah. I like that, too. I Bat- do, yeah. Batman at home. But I think that's the perfect blend of the two characters. Is that's him and his most pure. Yeah, I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. I could have stopped it, Alfred. I knew what Rama Vian was going to do. I could have stopped it. And Alfred's going to give him absolution because because <laughs> that's what it calls. That's what for. the story needs. That's like, no, sir, you could not have stopped it, or you would have accepted. The sex tourism business has been smashed. Your mother was proud of you. You mean she would be? I mean precisely what I said. Fighting evil is the same as fighting crime, only the f- focus is more central or is more concentrated. As you have often said, you swim toward the horizon. You will never reach the goal yourself, but others will follow you as your mother as you follow your mother's work. It is the soul of the true warrior to struggle so that others can claim the prize. What did you call me, Alfred? A warrior? (laughs) I love these uh, shots of Alfred kind of looking down at the... But, like, not in a condescending way. You just you feel the respect and love still coming from the character as he's just kind of looking down down at Bruce and giving him his advice and his chocolate milk. (laughs) Chocolate milk. Um, so the dialogue between the two continues on the next page, and Alfred is handing a scroll to Batman and he's or to Bruce Man. Your mother gave me the responsibility of choosing the proper time for the disclosure of her journals. She also asked me to deliver this. Batman's like, "What now? What now?" Um, so her final message to you oh, at a time on. I felt was most appropriate. I am certain that the time is now, Master Bruce. And Batman says, what is it, Alfred? A haiku, sir. What, really? Oh, oh yeah. A haiku. At the top is the original Japanese. Below is the translation. So Bruce open- unrolls the scroll. It was your mother's wish that you have this when you had looked into the eyes of those who prey upon children and seen the evil there. When you had begun to walk the path she marked for you. And the, uh, we see a shot of the Batcave and all the the technology and stuff he's got there. Batman is holding the paper. 
Alfred is walking away toward us, and Alfred says, I have fulfilled my promise, sir. I will be putting in my two weeks notice now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. I'm out. Done. I was <laughs> I was there for your mother always. I think you know that I will always be here for you. And the bottom panel, uh, we are closer to Bruce and we see Alfred walking away. And we see the shadow of Bruce's head on the scroll, so we can't really read what's going on. And a single tear is coming down Bruce's cheek as Alfred leaves the cave. Ooh, poignancy. A moment, a real, real good moment. Mm-hmm. Now, listeners, on the next page, you think you're going to get your haiku. Oh, but no, you don't. <laughs> 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 you're left hanging. No haiku. Instead, you get this uh, depiction of uh, four different uh, scenes, and you you have... Oh, let, let's count the syllables. Midnight in Gotham. I has troubled city with new Isle. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I try. I, I I cheated. I looked ahead and I, I said, oh, oh, haiku. Instead, we basically get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven little text boxes in different fonts, no less. And they, in their artwork, depicts four very, very graphic scenes. And the caption box reads as follows: Midnight in Gotham, his troubled city with new eyes. He sees a teenage girl take a last hit off of her crack pipe. Desperately seeking an anesthetic before she goes back to selling pieces of herself to anonymous men who cruise by in their expensive cars. He sees her spiritual brothers and sisters, the boy in a luxurious brownstone who has dropped out of a prodigious school, prep school, revising a suicide note, a goodbye letter to the preacher who taught him hypocrisy. And we see a little tear going down the cheek there. The next caption box. Another young man in a dirty alley telling himself he commits nightly acts of violence for money. But deep inside, he knows the ugly truth. Next caption. Another girl looking down from a high-raised building, pregnant with her father's child, praying she will soon be dead as her dreams. Again and again, he sees ellipses. And then we have a panel of Batman flying through the air on a rope, thinking, I understand now, Mother. The children of the secret are here, too. They're everywhere. They are all connected by a common evil. There's a wonderful vertical panel on the side with Batman kind of all wrapped up in his cape with a full moon because it's Gotham and it's Batman, so there's always a full moon. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the tides are like in Gotham, but anyways. And then there's a, another panel with Batman looking through a window and there's a little girl in a pink dress crying with a camera and lighting equipment around her. You can see the corner of a bed. Um, and Batman thinks, and someday they will join together in a force powerful enough to shake the universe. Until then. And then in the panel below it, you see a man with a towel around his waist and like a white tank top and a cigar picking up the girl and holding her under his arm and adjusting the camera. And finally, we have another Batman smashing through the window at the reader saying, In their name, mother! And then... We get our haiku. Yay! Which says, Warrior, heed this. When you battle with demons, aim not at their hearts. He who aims with his heart has forgotten the face of his father. Yes. What is father? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So, glad I was. I had some friendly faces to go through a dark series No kidding. With. Yeah. I, I need, like, a flippin' Zoloft now. <laughs> Jeez. I will be honest. I, uh pretty much checked out about three quarters of the way through that just because I had for mental self-defense. Yeah, the it started out really strong at first, 
it kind of got a little bit away from the graphic stuff with the kids later on. Uh, when it, when it got to like the, the battle and things like that, it was a little easier, but right. I was kind of taken aback with that how, I mean, which it makes sense because it's part two of a two-parter. So it makes sense that it start, it came in right in the midst of it, but I was just, you know, we had, it's been a couple months, I think, since we read part one and I, when we were reading those first few pages, I was like, holy shit, am I a bad person for doing this? No. <laughs> I mean, part of it, I'm sure, is to shock because it's it's an important topic is the thing. It, it just happens to be a deeply devastating and depressing one. And but that's what yeah. brings up, we did talk about last time about whether or not this is the best venue to try to bring awareness to this. Yeah, I and do find like when comics try to take on really heavy subject matter, it tends to come across as either being heavy-handed or kind of cheesy. And I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's well. It it was based on a novel, and novels mm-hmm. you're easier to you can do that a lot easier in a novel. A novel is right. kind of a good hold for that for level that. of things mm-hmm. because you can yeah. keep that. It's so much of it, as you said, takes the picture. Only pictures are there in your imagination. Mm-hmm. Now you try to take that and you make it into a comic book. It's a weird, uncanny valley area where you have Batman flipping around doing Batman stuff dressed as a bat. But then there's this really true, too real badness in front of it. And it it becomes, the more real it gets, the more occasionally ridiculous that it's Batman that's up this, that a guy at a bat is doing this. And then, but then once we're there, it just goes right into uh, Vox's, frankly, fundamental misunderstanding of this character. He he does not understand Batman. He he was in your interview. He even pointed out that he uh, he didn't understand why Batman doesn't kill. So mm-hmm. he makes sure he goes out of his way to make sure he all but all kills. but does. Yeah. He, he yeah. arms people and then stands aside as he murders them. And he's like, "Good on you." And even Alfred, comp, you know, says, yeah. "Yeah, good on you." There, no. Not I'm sorry, that's not a Batman in anything after 1940. Now, if this was 1939 <laughs> yeah. Batman, hell yeah. He He's throwing people off buildings. Get out of my way, I've got yeah. a gun too. Cruising yeah. around in his red, sed- red <laughs> convertible. Yes. No. That's, just, that's just my take on the whole thing. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm glad... One last thing, and then I shut up. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad it exists. At, you know, as I said, any any eyes on this, and anybody that like got information and went and contributed, that means it's a good thing. But ultimately, I just can't say that I would recommend this for anyone to read. Yeah, it, it's it's a hard one to recommend because of the subject matter, and because you don't know how the person reading it will take it. Basically, I think it has to be something that a person seeks out. And I wonder, because they bring up the point in the novel itself that Batman doesn't fight crime, he fights criminals. And I think we have to remember that the comic books, they're usually fighting criminals. And maybe when they get outside and start fighting in abstract, that's where it kind of gets a little fuzzy around the edges and maybe a little less successful. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. And it's What did you think about this? No, I just was going to say both of you made excellent points. Everybody made excellent points. I, I'm just trying to think, did this age well? Well, it, it I think its heart was in the right place. It, it shed some light on a, a very topic, which is still sadly relevant today. And yeah. I, I just wonder if some of the artwork really didn't land for me in spots, which is unfortunate because I, I kind of like Dennis Cowan, especially with the, the, the work on the question. But I, 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 I really didn't know some of the things with, with the – perspective was really excellent in some places but just totally not not too good in others in particular the outdoor scenes it almost seems like a third party <clears throat> thing like it's almost hard to believe that this was just published by dc comics and not by some like you know third 
third-party person that published this on behalf of DC Comics. Felt like reading mm-hmm. a yes. manual, you know, just with a with a random team thrown together. Oh, yeah. It'd be kind of interesting maybe to see how Batman might have tackled this more at a street level. Maybe like a local sex trafficking group. Or maybe once it went too big and started trying to chip away at it, the societal pressures and all this. I don't know. There, it's It was an ambitious story and I won't say that it failed completely. I won't say that it succeeded completely. It's just it's something that kind of needs to be just kind of chewed over um with as much as you want to dwell on something like that, which is not a lot <laughs> but It was an inter- an interesting medium to try this. Um the format, you know, was in our what is called the Dark Knight Prestige format. I I think to sort of elevate this as an upper tier echelon book for for reflective of the mid 90s when this came out over the time. I I just don't know if this could have worked though. We we say this really wasn't Batman and those are fair, fair points with the depiction. I just don't know if it could have worked with any other DC character and still been pulled off or executed as well, perhaps, maybe, uh, you know, we, we we wanted to put a non-powered, quote, DC, quote, superhero into this book, you know, but but I don't know if it would have worked well with any other character in a DC uh, stock, you know. I agree with you, John. I think it did work better in novel form versus in comic book form. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, speaking of holding up today, it's it did surprisingly well. The subject matter didn't come across as weirdly, you know, as, as the criticisms I have, you know, I still have. But a lot of times if you're tr- if you're reading something from the past that's trying to make, you know, it's a message point. It's like saying there's nothing more usually more cringeworthy than something that was attempting to be earnest at the time. This one you go back and I'm not cringing because of the way the su- subject matter is presented. It's just that it's being presented in a Batman book. I'm if I'm making yeah. any sense here. Did any of the subject matter? I think we were all kind of caught off guard with this, you know. And this was my second pass at it after after how many years when it initially came out. Was it too shocking? I mean, we, we do we do we think DC could have put something out like this today or or any type of a PSA book or how would they execute it? If, if they even want attempted to. That's a good question. I don't think they would attempt to. I think they would look, I hope, I kind of hope they wouldn't, that they would, or that they would manage to do, because it's too hard. This one kind of walks the tightrope between bad taste and, you know, awareness by fundamentally changing what the character's like. I mean, you could do a story along these lines. A regular DC story in this would be Batman in the face of it after facing all of this, wanting to kill the guy. But he can't because he thinks of his mother and his mother wouldn't want him to. But apparently in this, his mother really wants him to kill this guy. (laughs) And it's interesting that apparently she set out wanting him to follow that path. That seems a little... A little bit heartless in a way, knowing that like she, that, that Bruce was a child at this point, and she's like, "Man, I'm seeing these awful, horrible things that are kind of you know making me lose faith in humanity. I want that for my son as well. So let me make sure my butler puts him on this path after I'm dead, because I'm inevitably going to be killed." Early, here's my last message, Alfred. You make sure you hide this in a really elaborate way. Okay. <laughs> And don't tell the police that you have a lead on who might have killed me. Oh Save that for. Oh yeah. 
Save that for 20 years from now. And the longer I go with that, the more I'm just eye-rolling, I find, the entire (laughs) Martha Wayne action sociologist. Action sociologist. Now with Kung Fu action. There really doesn't seem to be much point for it, except to give Bruce more motivation to go um, raise a small army and kill a castle full of pedophiles. Maybe it's something he's always wanted to do. Maybe he got to cross something off of his bucket list at the end of this story. I mean, because this is kind of a one-off and doesn't affect the canon of, of Batman lore, I do appreciate that the the different take on that there is actually a motive for why the Waynes were killed, that it was a hit. But it, some of the stuff that we were talking about, like this uh, keeping the information from the police on behalf of Alfred and like her wanting to set Bruce up on this path, that's a little too far. That kind of jumps the shark for me. So any any final thoughts on this? Well, thank you for having me on, Lane. I, I really, I, you know, this was re- very ambitious of you to tackle this, and the subject matter, you know, is certainly uncomfortable, but it, it raised a lot of eyebrows. And to re-examine this these years later, you know, I, I think this was you should be applauded for, you know, taking a looking at a, a piece of Batman history, if you will, and uh, something that was attempted, and uh, we got to see where it landed, what stuck, what didn't stick, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, what Chris said. Yes, thank you so much for having us on for it. It was great to be a part of this. It was uncomfortable in some places, but I'm glad it was people like you guys that I was with. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think I could have tackled this alone. No, and if Maggie and I- with as much as we laughed through part one, the this I think this part two is a little bit more more serious. But yeah, um, I still yeah, it, it was still great to to sit down and, and hash this out with you guys. So yeah. Now I'm going to oh. go watch something. Um, some Spongebob or... Yeah, something maybe baseball <laughs> no, you really. you got to read Alan Moore for Oh, no, tomorrow, I have to read Alan so. Moore for tomorrow. Oh, what, you, what Alan Moore do you got to read tomorrow? All of it. No, uh, <laughs> just the last issue of Watchmen. Uh, we're going to do something. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to do something about um, that and whatever happened to Man of Tomorrow and, and Swamp Thing and... We're, yeah. we're just talking. We're on Clinton's show, Clinton Robinson's show, talking about Alan Moore. He wants to go on a tangent. Oh, okay. Well, Clinton, well, yeah, you guys, you're, you guys were great. You know, with uh, Clinton before, you know, talking to Jimmy Olsen. I really, I really dug that show. Thank oh, you. Good. That one was so fun. Well, like, oh, that's right. And that's the other thing is I have the other new Jimmy Olsen that I haven't read yet. I got to read that too. What show is that? Uh, Coffee and Comics. So again, thank you guys so much. Uh, the next few Batman books will be much more lighthearted. I'm doing the novelization of Batman Returns with Paxton right now. I think after that, Chris, you and I are doing uh, Batman and the Fearsome Foursome. Yes, I got my copy. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? That sounds good. It's the uh, novelization of the 67 movie? 68? Yeah. 66 movie. 66? Okay. Yeah. Check that bad boy out. Oh, yeah. One of them's written by Tracy Hickman. Oh, no kidding. If you ever get to Mm -hmm. that one. I at least might jump at like do uh, the the Tracy Hickman one, and if you want, yeah, because it's it's D and D. I need to find that one that was written by Stephen King. I I don't know if it's one of these anthologies, but I know he's. I don't know. I just I just love these anthologies just to see different established authors' takes on these characters. So, all right, well, uh, that concludes this meeting. Until next time, folks, let go and let Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Tell all everyone.